Um, our Bible reading today is uh, Revelation 12 and 13. Uh, be on the screen or uh, on your device, Bible, or in the leaflet. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. And there was another sign that appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on its head. heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the testimony, by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be care taken care of for a time, times, and half a time out of the serpent's reach. Then from the mouth of the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worshipped the beast and asked, who is like this beast? Who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. 
It opens its mouth, opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Whoever has ears, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honour of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. Strap yourselves in. Uh, we know the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have just heard read another unholy, evil trinity, the dragon and the two beasts. Are we meant to take them for real? We are because otherwise, why are they depicted so vividly for us? And we'll see one of Satan's great strategies is for us to believe him to either be non-existent or tame, or, and here's what I think is much more likely for Christians, to think that because we are on Jesus' winning team, we don't need to be wise to Satan, nor how he works. But God, in his kindness, has given us these frightening images to make us wise to Satan and to how he works, because that is the application, last verse. This calls for wisdom. And because he's given us what we need, it's right to begin by asking that the Lord would give us that wisdom. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, there is so much of the Bible we don't understand, but there is so much of this world we don't understand. We don't understand why people we love are struck down. 
We don't understand why your church is treated so badly in some parts of the world. We don't understand um, so much of human suffering. And yet, Father, we thank you that you give us what we need. So please help us to listen because we do have ears to hear and we ask, Lord, that you would grant us wisdom and then the faith to believe what is revealed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, so far in the book of Revelation, we have seen different takes, different snapshots of that period between Jesus' first and second coming. There were the seven seals which Jesus himself opened. There was the seven trumpets which the angels blew. And even though Jesus warned four of the seven churches about Satan when he spoke to them back in chapters two and three, we did that in December. It wasn't until trumpet six that we covered last week that Satan was mentioned again. So what that means is that thus far in the book of Revelation, Satan has been mentioned but in the background. Well today, he who is in the background is now foreground so that we would become wise to him. Chapter 12 is explicitly on Satan. Chapters 13 is on how he works today. Both of these chapters give us wisdom. We begin with Satan himself in chapter 12 who appears as a terrifying red dragon horrifically positioned in front of the woman who is clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. And as she's about to give birth, the dragon is positioned there that he might devour the child before it draws breath. So that's, that's how it begins. We have a dragon, a woman, and a child. Who are they? The dragon is also called a serpent and that immediately takes us in our minds to the opening chapters of the Bible where the serpent first appeared to the woman. And if we flick to the next slide, okay, thank you very much, um, where after she and her husband had sinned, sinned a prophecy was given, um, given the serpent about the child who would be born to the woman, that he will crush your head. And so from that very early moment in the Bible, Genesis chapter three, we are now looking to see which child born of the woman will become the serpent crusher. We turn to the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation and now we know who this is because we're told that this child will hold a scepter. Now yesterday at Charles's coronation, Charles held the scepter, you saw it, right? A symbol of his authority to rule. That's the scepter at the uh, queen's uh, funeral. Very ornate. In ancient times, it was much more functional. It was a weapon held by the king to mete out justice on your enemies, or if you had to you know, inflict some justice. In Revelation 12, we're told that the child in this vision will rule the nations with an iron scepter. Now that is a quote from Psalm 2, which was a psalm that was entirely written about the Messiah who would be born. The Messiah whom, when Jesus was born, the angels declared to be Jesus. 
So if the child in the vision is Jesus, who is the woman? Is she Eve? Right. Or someone further down the line, is she Israel? We see her in Revelation with a crown with 12 stars, reminding us of the 12 tribes of Israel, and it's from Israel that the Christ child came. Or is she Mary, the woman who physically gave birth to Jesus? My guess is that she embodies all the women throughout salvation history who have brought forth to us the Christ child. And then comes this horrific image of the dragon positioning himself in front of the woman ready to devour the Christ child as soon as he is born. And it's horrific, but it's important that we see who wins. And it is not the dragon, because before it can devour the Christ child, the Christ is snatched up to God and to his throne. And this is a clear reference to the ascension of Jesus 40 days after he rose from the dead, uh, 40 days after, um, up where he was raised and ascended into heaven, snatched up to heaven. Satan does his best to destroy Christ, and we know he did this, didn't he? We remember the horror. Um, Luke chapter two, Herod sending his, oh sorry, Matthew, Herod sending his soldiers to kill the infant boys of Bethlehem. But Satan is thwarted because God warned Joseph to flee with Mary and the child and they fled into the wilderness and then across to Egypt. And he kept them safe there for Jesus to do his work, to come back, to die, to rise and then be lifted up from earth to heaven. And then the woman in Revelation, who by now represents all messianic believers, she flees to the place prepared for her by God. And the point is that ultimately, Christ's people are safe with God. And God gives us this perspective at the outset to make us wise to Satan to remember that although Satan is fiercely anti-Christ with every fiber of his being, he has been undone because something profound has happened. A human one has been taken up to heaven. We haven't got time to go into Daniel chapter seven, but you might want to read that whole prophecy and think what does it mean for one, a son of man, to be taken up to heaven? Well, this has happened. And Satan, the animal, has been hurled down. Verses seven to nine describe the war in heaven that happened with God's snatching up the son born to the woman. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Now, when did this happen? Jesus spoke about it in Luke chapter 10. Jesus has been preaching that the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God has been drawing near. He'd given authorities to his disciples to do the same, to share in his ministry and preach like this. He'd sent them out, first the 12 and then the 72 other disciples. And when the 72 normal garden variety disciples like you and me, when they come back from their preaching tour, they're absolutely ecstatic because in, in announcing the news that Jesus, the king of God's kingdom was now here, they come back and they say, guess what? When we said that, even the demons submitted to us in your name. They couldn't believe it. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, 
the news of the kingdom, the arrival, that the king of God's kingdom had come. This news disarmed Satan. His authority that he had used to accuse people before God as worthy of punishment was taken from him when Christ came to die to take that punishment upon himself. Paul describes this in Colossians. Um, in uh, chapter two, verse, actually, yeah, he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that, stood, that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and if we were to go, if I had my brain ready, and I'd actually included that in the slide, verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them by the cross. He disarmed Satan. So Satan has no position, no right, no authority to accuse someone for whom Christ has died. And God's drawing Christ up means that Satan has been hurled down from his position as accuser. And that is good news. And even though Satan is now on earth, still we're told that through Christ, we will triumph over him. Because in Revelation, that's what's next announced. Now have come the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. And they triumphed over him, not Jesus. They, that is, our brothers and sisters who believe in Jesus, they triumphed over him. How? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And there it is. How do you triumph over Satan? What do you do when Satan brings to your mind your past sins and when he accuses you to himself and he makes you feel unworthy and guilty and condemned? How do you triumph over Satan when something bad has happened to you and you think, this must be because of a sin I have done, but you know Jesus has died for that sin to erase its effect? How do you triumph over Satan at that point? Well, guess what? You triumph him over him by the word of your, your testimony of the gospel. And you pray, thank you, Lord, that Christ died to bear all the punishment for all of my sin, once and for all. Thank you that his sacrifice was complete. He covered all my sin for all time. Thank you, Lord, that Satan has no power in heaven to accuse me. Thank you, Lord, that Christ died for me and his blood has washed me clean. Thank you that because of that, I stand in heaven with Christ, spiritually speaking. Thank you that you forgive me, not because of who I am, not because I am clean in myself, not because I am worthy of forgiveness, not because I deserve it, but because Christ did, and I am in him, and that is enough, and there is no safer place to be. Do you see what you do? You triumph over Satan by the word of the testimony of the gospel, by the blood of the lamb. That's how you do it. And so God, through this revelation of Jesus given to John and then to us, has given us wisdom about Satan. Satan has been hurled down. We overcome him by the gospel, by speaking it, 
by praying it, by believing it, by holding to it. And yet I want you to see that although we can overcome, this does not mean that Satan has no power. It's telling that we're told those who triumphed did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. The fact that Satan has been cast down does not mean that we will not suffer his attack. It does not mean that we may not even lose our lives. Many Christians do. But nevertheless, the wisdom, the wisdom, the insight is that in Christ, in the gospel, we are able to triumph over Satan, we are able to overcome, which means, in the context of attack, we are able to persevere and hang on to the end. Now that, of course, makes Satan outraged. Verse 12, woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. He's making war on us, you see. Now is that cause for great fear? I'll tell you what it's a cause for, it's a cause for wisdom. That's what we need. Wisdom to see God in this. Because now there's a picture of the woman who is now the believers in Christ, being given wings to fly to the place in the wilderness prepared for her where she would be taken care of out of the serpent's reach. What's this saying? There is security, there is safety provided for his people by God. So that even as we read, there's this satanic counterattack, water spewing from the serpent's mouth to sweep her away. God counters that makes the very earth open up to swallow the water. It reminds me of that duel between Dumbledore and Voldemort in the Ministry of Magic, if you've seen that, right? Attack, counterattack. All the while, Dumbledore is keeping Harry safe, who is cowering in the corner. Okay. Except this is a picture, actually, which describes reality. And we need to see that spiritually, God is actively keeping his people safe from Satan and that through the blood of the Lamb we will triumph. Now we need to see this because the last verse of chapter 12 describes Satan as enraged at the woman and going off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and those who hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Satan is down but he's not out and he's filled with fury and we are in his sights. And so the question we're left with is, well, how does he wage war? What is his method? And the answer is through the beasts described in chapter 13. And there are two beasts. There is the beast from the sea, the beast of worldly power, and the beast from the earth, the beast of false religion. So chapter 13 opens with the dragon standing on the shore of the sea, now is he standing on the shore of the sea at Palestine looking across the Mediterranean to the seven churches in Asia Minor where he might wreak his heart worst. More likely, he's standing on the shore of the sea looking to the sea because it was viewed as the source of chaos and evil. And that's more likely because now, 
in the, in the vision, there is a beast coming up from this sea. And I said before that one of Satan's strategies is to make us think that he doesn't exist or is off grid. Make no mistake, he's alive and he is working through this beast. And the beast, as it's described, is frightening. It's described as having 10 horns, seven heads, 10 crowns on the horn. Don't try and draw it, it's a bit hard to, but get the point. With each head, blasphemous name, heads, horns, crowns, these are signs of authority and power. And they come from the Old Testament, this image, from Daniel. And if we just flick through that. Okay, recalls the vision Daniel the prophet had where in Daniel 7, the kingdoms of this world are described as frightening beasts, like a leopard, like a bear, like a lion, and the final one, a terrifying and frightening and very powerful. These were beasts that maim and kill and tear and devour. And then later in Daniel, they're described as the kingdoms of Babylon and then Mede and Persia and then Greece and then the Roman Empire. But here, this beast in Revelation 13 seems to be some sort of horrid compilation, amalgamation of all those beastly powers foretold by Daniel who have already wreaked their destruction on the earth. This is the beast of worldly power, governments, rulers, dictatorships, corporate power against God. And we need only think of the totalitarian regimes of Nero or Domitian, the Roman emperors, or in the 20th century, Pol Pot, Mao Zedong, Stalin, or today, Kim Jong-un in North Korea, leaders of regimes who brought terrible persecution upon Jesus' followers. And we might say, well, we're in a democracy, isn't that wonderful? It's a safeguard. Well, democracy is not a fireproof safeguard. We ought to remember Adolf Hitler was freely elected to leadership in Germany. This beast, though not Satan himself, this beast and Satan are in concert together. Indeed, this beast was given Satan's power, sorry, uh, was, give, sorry, was given his power and his throne and authority by Satan, the dragon. And what's his goal? The goal is worship. That's always Satan's goal. Remember his words to Jesus, all these kingdoms I will give you, what? If you bow down and worship me. Jesus resisted. But not so the people of the world who frighteningly were told worship the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. Because he diverts Worship from God, that's what the beast is. He's given a, a, a mouth to blaspheme God, to slander his name and his dwelling place. And the strategy is effective. Verse eight, all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. And whilst it's encouraging that God will keep his people pure, what's sobering for us is that the beast was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. Now, there have been deaths, many, and there will be many more. Um, Revelation 13. 
Whoever has ears, let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword they will be killed. What's needed? Well, we're told there, aren't we? We need to be alert. Whoever has ears, let them hear. We need to be alert. We need to realize this will happen. There's an inevitability about this which we have to accept. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword they will be killed. So what's needed? Patient endurance. That's what's needed, and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Now, if you're thinking, I'm, <laughs> I'm not that strong. <laughs> you know, could I stand if I was under that much pressure? Well, if you're wondering that, remember, we can overcome, and the way is through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Praying the gospel, reminding each other of the gospel, singing the gospel. This is the way we endure. When you're hard up, up against it, when you feel under attack, when things are happening, you have no rhyme or reason why they're happening, what do you do? You sing the glorious truths of Christ crucified. And somehow, in that process, as you pray them, as you sing them, as you take them to heart, God strengthens you to endure. That's how he does it. He strengthens us with hope. He creates faith in that way. Now, if the first beast was worldly power that came up from the sea, its partner in deception is the second beast that comes up from the earth. This is the beast of false religion. We know this is the beast of false religion because in chapters 16, 19, and 20, this beast is described as the false prophet. Now, there's nothing more powerful to a government than a religion which supports it and gives credence to its leader. Um, I look with horror at how the Russian Orthodox Church is currently backing Putin's attacks in, in Ukraine. But also, let's not be blind in our own culture to what happened yesterday. Tony, can you just turn off the tape for a sec? 